This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I apologize. I'm a little stuffy, but I'm Ray Harkins. I'm your host. I'm hanging out here with people who are involved in independent music, whether it's like, you know, behind the scenes stuff, working at record labels, or whether it's like, you know, on stage, playing in bands, or uh, you could have just been, you know, hanging out, going to shows when you were younger, and then take all those principles and apply them to your life in different avenues. So that that's those are those are the ways that you get on the show, because frankly, there are people who have hit me up and are like, hey, uh, could I have this person on the show? And I try to find some link to independent music, to what it is that they're doing. And there are times where I'm just like, I, I can't see it. I don't know. I, I can't do it. And I don't want to sit here and talk to a person who, um, you know, really doesn't have any context for where it is that we're coming from. So anyways, that's that's a long preamble. But the guest this chat was so damn good. It is with Brian Garris. He is the vocalist for the band Knocked Loose, who is a hardcore band from the Louisville, Kentucky area, the suburbs. And you, you'll hear me get some pretty specific with them in regards to that just because, um, yeah, I, I have been personally obsessed with the Louisville music scene for quite some time. Played some shows there, met a lot of people uh, involved in that community, and I've just always been really, really impressed with what they do. So, um, yeah, but Knocked Loose are a band that I think a lot of people unfairly malign because they don't feel like they are, uh, you know, true quote unquote hardcore and whatever. I'll more on that in a few moments, but let's get some uh, business pleasantries out of the way. Some things that I would like to inform you about because they will enrich your life in very positive ways. And one of the first things is symbol.fm. So for those of you that have are familiar with the service, awesome, great. You're following me on Symbol. Great. That's awesome. We can share music. But for those of you that are not in the know, please pull out your phone, which you're probably using right now to listen to this very podcast, download Symbol.fm, or you can go to the App Store and you can find it there. It is a incredible app in which you are able to share music. Uh, you are able to see easily what your friends that are on Symbol are listening to. And uh, there's just so many features about it that are awesome. And it's cool, too, because... The service actually pipes into streaming revenue that these artists make, so it's not like other applications in which you know you listen to a song and there's no sort of royalty that's paid on it. But this is different. So Symbol FM is an incredible service. Please follow me on there. It's X Purpose X, and you can find me and we can share music. We can talk, chat, say yo, that's good. Give you a like, all that other fun stuff. So please, it's a very very fun app. Do that now. You also need to go pre-order the new Rise Against record called Wolves. Go to riseagainstshop.com. You've heard me talk about how amazing this band is. The record is is just top shelf. Just like if you have any inkling of liking Rise Against in the past or like punkish, aggressive-ish hardcore, this record is so for you. And if you haven't listened to Rise Against, where have you been? I mean, they're one of the most popular rock bands around now and it's so great because they actually stand for something and they express their opinions it's really really good stuff so please go to riseagainstshop.com and you can dive into all the pre-order packages they have record comes out in early june and they're touring all summer long with my good friends in thrice and deftones it's going to be an amazing bill i can't wait to go to that show so please rise against do it up and i also want to tell you about another amazing podcast on our jabberjaw media network and that is the metal sucks podcast 
these dudes know what they're talking about. It's not too dissimilar to what this show does, but basically they they are hyper focused on metal and all of its its subgenres. But basically, they have people from like Between the Buried and Me, The Black Dahlia Murder, I Hate God, Royal Thunder. You know, it, it's a it's a who's who of the metal scene and who they speak to. And it's just really fun, enlightening conversations. So I highly recommend you listening to the metal sucks podcast. And you can find it obviously on any podcatcher that you are listening to podcasts on, or you can go to jabberjawmedia.com and find out more about that show and so many other shows that you should probably be checking out and listening to. So yeah, that's that. And, uh, like I said, Brian, we hung out on Skype one afternoon and, um, it was just a very, it was a fun conversation. Like I felt growing more fond of him as a person, the longer that we spoke. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really enjoy these relationships that I create with people. And I often say after, after we're done recording, I'm like, Hey, the next time we're in the same room together, I'm going to make sure to, um, you know, say hi to you and introduce myself. And then that way we actually have that sort of connective tissue because, uh, you know, I feel we get pretty deep here at, this, you know, these shows. And, uh, sometimes I feel strange about that where I'm like, Oh man, I've just had this one random interaction with the person and I'm never going to speak to them again. So anyways, it's fun stuff. But Brian, um, is a very well-spoken, eloquent dude. Um, he's very young, like early twenties and, um, yeah, just shared a lot of opinions about the notion of being in like touring bands and having to be, you know, convinced (laughs) to go out on the road and all that sort of stuff. I mean, well, not convinced, uh, like literally, but just, you know, he was wrestling around with a lot of things before this band kind of, uh, you know, popped off. But anyways, here is my discussion with Brian and I will talk to you after the episode. Yeah. Um, it was, it was one of those things, uh, you know, I mean, when I'm, I'm in my mid thirties, I've been, you know, involved in independent music for quite some time. And so anytime you see a band's name starting to pop up and, um, you know, I've, I've known Jake over at Pure Noise for a while. He's mentioned you guys, obviously. Um, but, uh, I, is, I always really, once I dove into, you know, your music and, and the band and everything like that, I love the fact that, you know, you were from a place where, not very many hardcore bands exist. Like when people mention Kentucky, they're always like Louisville, you know, like that's a vibrant music scene. Yeah. But where you're from, like, you know, from a wider national perspective, no one is like, Oh yeah. Like that's exactly where, (laughs) you know, the birth, the hotbed of hardcore is. Um, yeah. And every interview always mentions it as far as like, Oh, it's weird. You guys are from Kentucky, but the I'm sure it's one of those things where as you have toured and traveled out in the world where you see how it's probably much easier for people in different scenes to kind of plug themselves into it where I'm sure it was a little maybe harder work for you guys to not only like just play shows but just kind of exist as a band or am I wrong in that assumption well the one thing that um the one like misleading thing that I feel like we've done uh, as far as like when we like rep Oldham County so hard is that uh, we gave the illusion that it was like it's it, its own scene. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Oldham County doesn't necessarily have a scene. It's just Louisville. And um, we are only like 30 minutes outside of Louisville. Okay. 
uh, the whole, the whole reason that we started like repping Oldham County so hard was because like you're obviously going to have the people that are like super um, super strict on what they consider hardcore or what they consider metalcore. I feel like that's like a huge topic nowadays. Right. And um, when we first started as a band, everything that we did was looked at on a local scene like we never thought that the band would ever break out of Kentucky so like we were looking up to Louisville bands uh, Louisville hardcore bands and we were so nervous that they were going to be like well you guys aren't hardcore and kind of like give us like the cool guy treatment mm-hmm. that we were like we're, we're just going to call ourselves Oldham County Hardcore because we're the only band from Oldham County so nobody in Oldham County can tell us that we're not hardcore like kind of as a joke and then we ended up like all the Louisville people like everybody in the Louisville hardcore scene is like our best friends like we are very blessed with uh, the scene that we have but when we started touring we were like let's just keep that joke going like we had already put it on like t-shirts that we had sold locally and now it's just kind of like I don't want to say a gimmick because like I never want to be like that kind of band but um the more we've done it, the more that me personally have just like fallen in love with it. Like I'm the one in the band that like pushes it super hard. Like I'm the one that's telling the guys like, can we make our backdrop just say Oldham County? And they're like, no, Brian, like it has to say our band name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I mean, to, to your point, like I, I could see why you'd want to do that, especially from the, uh, I mean, maybe not the backdrop like we were, like you're just saying, but the idea of identifying with a particular, um, you know, city that you can kind of carve your own identity out of, um, even though, you know, like you said, you were just in a suburb of Louisville. Um, I just think it's a, it, you know, it's in the same way where it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm here in Orange County, California, and, you know, there obviously hardcore has been you know, through many, many different changes as far as sound and everything else. But like, it's always been so distinct from, you know, Los Angeles or San Diego. And I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, granted, it's a much, you know, smaller scale uh, geographical distance in what you're talking about. But I could see, yeah. especially too, when you're just like, you know, your kids and you're like, hey, let's just rep, let's rep our, uh, our particular city or county. And, uh, you know, that'll, that'll be the thing. Yeah. And, and like, on another hand, like a lot of it comes from like um, I don't know if you're familiar with the term like Midwest blood, um, but we uh, we rep that pretty hard too, and um, that's basically just something that um, Zach from Expire created. That was like for bands like in the Midwest that kind of have to like work harder for the things that they want because you're in a place like the Midwest. Um, and I, I guess like we kind of like, um, took that like pride into like our County too. Like we're so in the middle of nowhere that we're not even in a major city. We're in this small little County that's like 30 minutes outside of a major city. And I think that it's rare to find a band that all of the band members live in one place and we do all live in one County. Yeah. No, that, that's a very, well, our guitar player. I will be honest, and nobody knows this, and I hope that they don't start giving us crap for it, sure. but our guitar player actually lives in a different county. Um, he is the only one that doesn't live in Oldham County, so I don't know if that makes us fake. 
but <laughs> so yeah four, four fifths of the band is from oldham well what what's the county that he lives in it's called middletown okay yeah, just, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and render a verdict that you guys are total posers. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's it, it's cool because I, I I see, I mean, I'm glad you brought the point of, you know, Midwest and hardcore because most of it, most of that idea is definitely tied up in the fact that you have to drive a lot farther in order to, you know, get to the the coast. Well, not a lot, a lot farther, but you are, you know, so you're centrally located, so it's easier to, you know, pop out to the west coast or east coast rather than east coast going all the way to the west coast. But because of that, um, se- you know, that central location, you're definitely in a, a place that, you know, might not have as many, you know, cool cities to play. I mean, you know, from experience where it's like you go out to the East coast and you start to play New Jersey and Boston and New York. And you're like, what do you mean? These are all like two hour drives. Like, this is amazing. I could stay at like one friend's house. And like, that's all I need to do. Yeah, exactly. Or like you go out to California and you can do an entire week of shows and only drop like five hours in total. Right. Dude. That's that's amazing. Yeah, you're just like this is this is great, and all the shows are like distinctly different and good, and uh, different kids. And then even if kids wanted to obviously travel up and down, then they could do that too. But um, yeah. yeah, but that's no, I I, I get and it's it. Crazy to see how like I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's crazy to see like how used to that some people get because like you have kids that are so used. To, like we've done tours where we've played Anaheim, Los Angeles, and Van Nuys, like in a row and those are like not far from each other at all right and um and you get kids that are like so used to just going to like their home venue that like the next time we play LA and not Van Nuys kids are like man why aren't you coming to Van Nuys it's like come on man like you can make the drive like in Kentucky like we get skipped over a lot when it comes to major tours so then like the closest like major city that we have to go to is Chicago that's right. a five-hour drive. Right. So that's like 10-hour travel time if we want to see some bands that we like. Or, like, you, you just get used to driving in general. Like, Indianapolis, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, Nashville, Columbus. Like, the whole, like, tri-state area. Like, um, it, it's just, like, normal. Yeah, totally. And then, and then you have some kids that are, like, just so used to, like, having everything so close to them. Right. Hey, why aren't you why aren't you playing five minutes from my house, dude? What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the famous thing when you post a tour flyer and yep. it's just comments complaining that you didn't come to their city. Totally. Or or come to Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so you you yourself, were you born and raised in Oldham County or where did you uh, grow up? Well, I was born in uh, Louisville. Um and but I only was in Louisville until I was in like the first grade and then we moved out to Oldham County and um I think my parents just wanted to like get out of the city mm-hmm. go to like a smaller county and um the Oldham County public schools are like some of the best public schools in Kentucky um got it as far as like test scores and everything so like they they really wanted um they started having like my brother's and they really wanted all three of us to have the chance to have like a really good um, school experience. Sure, sure. Yeah, education is you know clearly important. Whether or not you care about it, it's important to at least have the opportunity to not be in a terrible school. 
Yeah. The uh, so where do you land on that? So you have two other brothers. Yeah. Okay. And where do you land? Are you? Middle I have tra- two younger brothers. Uh, ah, you're the, tra- I'm, uh, you're the, the trailblazer. Older. Yeah, you're the first on the scene. Yeah. Yeah, I have um, my brother under me is 16. Um, his name is Dallas. He is my best friend in the whole world. Um, he is just like a a copy of me. Like if you've seen me, then you've seen him. He's just a little bit shorter, but we have the same exact interests and. He's actually sang for a band before, and he sings on our record. Um, and then my youngest brother, Trey, he's 14, and he has his own interests. Like, he's doing his own thing, and we're trying we're trying to pull him into our world. And he comes to shows with us, and he has a really good time, but is isn't something that's, like, stuck with him yet. He's into, like, video games and sports. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool that you are because uh, you, you know sometimes siblings feel like they need to go on their own path and have their own interests and um, you know just find their own way and it's cool that you are like drafting them into hey this is what like uh, punk and hardcore is like how about you you know come come follow me like hopefully you're really into this and then uh, yeah then you have he, yeah. like you said your best friend is your brother and that's awesome to hear yeah I took him to his first show when he was like. 12 or 13 I can't remember but um, it was kind of just like he was sitting at home and I was like do you want to come with me and um, he had a really really good time and I remember on the way home I was like okay um, you'll never miss a show again and he's like what do you mean and I was like if you ever want to go you have a ride and so like he's basically like growing up within the hardcore scene because like another thing that I'm really happy with Louisville is like it's a very fragile scene because it's not that big so we like really rely on the people that come like we really care about the venues that we have because we know that they're like not gonna stay because they never do we really care about the kids that come we know that like if a fight breaks out like there's a possibility that we're going to lose that kid and all of his friends because they don't want to come to shows to get beat up. So like when I was growing up, like in the hardcore scene, I had the older guys that would like, Oh, you need a ride. I'll come pick you up and I'll take you. Or like, Oh, you don't have any money for the show. Like I'll pay your way to get in. Blah, blah, blah. So like I kind of like instilled that in my younger brother, Dallas and he just got hooked immediately. And he goes to like every single show and Trey, not so much. I, I I gave Trey the same speech, right. but he was just like, "Yeah, that's cool." Yeah, he's like, "That's cool," but I'm gonna I'll, I'll play video games over here. Um, yeah, I, I really I really like the point you brought up about the uh, you know the Louisville scene in general, just kind of taking care of each other. Because I mean, I, I've I frankly have always been obsessed with Louisville. Um, like every show I've ever played there with all the bands I've played in, have always been incredible. Like you know, became friendly with the Patterson brothers, and like you know, I, I just love so much that comes out from that scene. And it always has struck me that even though sonically speaking, so many 
bands are so different from one another, but they all kind of, you know, basically let each other do what they need to musically, but kind of support them, you know? I mean, everything from it's like, you know, like I was mentioning, all, all the Patterson Brother bands, and then, you know, it kind of, you know, bleeding over to, you know, bands like Xerxes and all that sort, sort of stuff. And then, you know, now the, even though you guys are nothing like all of those bands, that there's still that general sense of, of respect and the fact that you guys have, you know, been raised within that scene. It's a, uh, it's, it's cool to hear. Cause I think a lot of people that would look at knock loose are just like, Oh, whatever. It's like, you know, five dumb kids from the Midwest making like beatdown music. But like that, that's, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Like, I mean, perfect, perfect example is, uh, two years ago we went on tour with a band from Louisville called another mistake. And if you've ever heard of another mistake, you know exactly how like opposite of us that they sound like they sound like carry on. And we were just like, who cares? Let's go. Like, let's, and it was one of the funnest tours I've ever done because it's the only tour I've ever done with like people from Louisville. So it was like, we were friends leaving and we were friends coming back and we've continued to be friends since, but I see them a lot more than the other friends that I make on tour. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Totally. No, it's really cool. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And that, like I said, I, the, this is something I was going to bring up a little bit later, but I, I think a lot of people, especially, you know, when they look at a, a band like you guys who, you know, you've put in your hard work and, you know, you've released music that, uh, you know, impacts people, but it's, you know, like you were talking about before the idea of, uh, you know, the difference between hardcore and metalcore and like how, you, you know, this band is posers and knock loose is the real deal or vice versa where people are like, Oh, you guys are posers because, you know, you're just trying to hop on a trend or whatever. You know, I, I'm sure you've seen the criticism that, it, you know, happens out there, but to me, I just, I, looking under the surface, it's like it, you guys truly do care about, you know, fostering a scene and being able to help people, you know, understand that, you know, you're not simply just, you know, tapping into the latest trend or whatever. Oh yeah. 100%. I like, I don't want to keep like referring to Louisville, but like growing up in like such a, like I said this before, like a fragile hardcore system where like, it's not, it's just, it's hard work. Like we were on the last tour that we did, like, our only sound guy for like all hardcore shows um he he moved he was just like hey guys I'm moving so I can no longer do sound and then and like to a lot of people like that might be a small deal but to us we're just like what the heck like the people that that book hardcore shows in Louisville are like my my friends and they've got a whole calendar of shows coming up and it's like, well, great. How do we do shows now? And at the same time, we lost one of our like last all ages venues because like, we just don't do 21 and up in Louisville because we have a very, very like wide scene as far as like from kids that are like literally 14 years old to people that are literally like in their late thirties. Um, and we we rely on like all of them coming, so we just don't do twenty one and up. And losing another all ages venue was just like so. Like I was like texting people that like live in Louisville that like have put on shows before, and I'm like, hey, like if you need help, like I'll rent a PA, and we can like do it this way, or like if there's anything that I can do, let me know. Like from the road, because like I knew that when I when I come 
come home, like, I want to start going, I want to go to Louisville shows. And, um, it's just really fragile. So, like, I think that I'm, I'm very lucky to be with four other guys that have that, like, same mindset as in, like, this isn't just, like, handed to us. And I'm, I'm not just, like, trying to, like, pump up, knock loose. Like, anybody in the Midwest knows what this like. It's not just, like, handed to you. It's, it's hard work, and you have to, like, you have to give as much as you're getting or it will just like slowly fade away. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a really good point. I mean, you know, people can look at what a band like modern life is war did. And, um, I think it, you know, makes what bands from, you know, just the Midwest in general, um, you know, get kind of pushed up where, they do, you know, if, if a band does kind of break through and start to become, you know, whatever successful may mean to them, um, people do, I think, recognize the fact that it's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, this is a, a band from an area that isn't commonly represented within our, you know, typical hardcore scene. And, you know, frankly, we'll have a different perspective, you know, because you, being raised from where you were and, like you said, being experiencing the scene from where you were at in a local level um, is different than people that, you know, n- not better or worse but just different because you know people in la have music every night of the week and you know can go to like five shows a night if they really wanted to so um yeah it's different yeah but how speaking of that how how did you get uh introduced to independent music in general um because yeah i'm I'm sure obviously it was somewhat via the internet but you know were there uh, other kind of entry points to you um well actually i I was raised on hip-hop um my mom loves hip hop. She always has, um, specifically like East coast hip hop. Um, and that's like, I was fully about it. And then one summer when I was like 11, 12, like around that age, I spent a couple weeks with my aunt and she kind of just like pushed it on me. Um, which is funny because like not a lot of people have stories of like their aunt introducing them to heavy music, but she showed me like system of a down and corn and stuff. Not and like your, your bands like that. And I like instantly fell in love and I took that home with me. And I remember we had dial up internet, um, the kind of internet where like you can't use your house phone while you're on it and it takes like a day and a half to download a song. Right. Totally. The, uh, yeah, you just, and, uh, you just sitting there and praying that no one calls. Yeah. So we would, um, I would watch headbangers ball every Saturday with a notebook on my lap and I would write down all the bands that I liked. And then I would spend the rest of the week trying to download those three songs or whatever. Like, and I would do that every Saturday and it got to the point where like, I would have, like, my friends come over, like, come over and let's watch Headman's Ball, like, and, um, yeah, I found a lot of bands that way, and a lot of bands that, like, I still listen to, like, I mean, that was the first time I found Hatebreed, that was the first time I found Under Oath, like, and, um, that's awesome. So it was just, it basically, it was like your, your, if you had an independent record store, uh, you know, like right in your town, you know, clearly Louis, well, Louis, gosh, I'm totally blanking on the uh, unbelievable record store that no longer exists in Louisville that I, Oh, ear ecstasy. That's right. That was, that's right. Yeah. Ear-ecstasy. Yeah. So basically it was like your ear ecstasy, except 
you know, piping right into your house. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Oh man, I forgot what I was going to say. No, it's okay. <laughs> the, but the, uh, so, so basically it was, you know, you, you, music was important to you because of, uh, you know, your mom's love for it. You saw how much joy, you know, it brought her and then, you know, her showing that to you and everything. Um, and so it kind of, Oh yeah, my whole, sorry, I didn't mean to do that, but my whole family is like, has like roots in music, like every side of my family, my mom's dad played bass, like played jazz bass and sang for like almost his entire life. And he was like pretty successful with it. He got the opportunity to like go to Europe and do all these amazing things. And then like my grandma on my dad's side, she was a country singer and she used to perform in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people. Uh, my uncle on my dad's side was a really, really good drummer. I've got a cousin on my mom's side, that played guitar and his dad actually managed all of his bands. So like his dad used to like build stages for venues that didn't have them. And because he was like trying to help his son's band get further. So like I've always had like deep roots within music on like every side. But when I was like in the hip hop, it was like, well, I can't really like contribute to this conversation because like I don't make music. I just like listen to people rap. You know what I mean? And not to like downplay hip hop music because I still have a, a strong love for it. But um, I remember once I started playing music, that was like a a gateway to get closer with my pop, like my mom's dad, the bass player, because like I obviously looked up to him because he was just like so cool, and I was just like sick now i have something to talk to him about you know what i mean right no totally totally um and so what did your uh like were your mom and dad in the house uh like what were they doing for work and how how was your um you know your household looking as you were growing up um when i was real young my dad worked um at this like factory that made overhead conveyor belts that held like refrigerators and like really heavy stuff for like the inside of warehouses. And that job required him to travel a lot. Um, so he traveled for, I, I don't even remember around the time he stopped, but, um, he hated just being gone from like the family. And my mom was like, obviously like stay at home mom since, um, my dad was traveling, but then my dad ended up quitting so that he could be with the family more. And then we, and then he started working at this company where it's like a paper product company. They make paper products like paper plates and stuff and worked his way up to where now he's like one of the managers and he still works there. Um, and my mom now works at Republic bank it's like a local bank in Kentucky and she loves it because my mom is like such a people person. Um, she's great with people. Um, and did you, did you, yeah, yeah, did you have, um, you know, like how was your relationship with them as you started to, you know, experiment with this style of music, which, you know, clearly they had an understanding for music, but you know, it were once you started to bring home records and started to, uh, 
you know, showcase the fact that you were into this really aggressive music, uh, how they react to it? Were they scared or were they like, oh, like, well, let's, let's, let's let him be into this just for what it is. Yeah. Well, I've, I've always had a really, really great relationship with my parents. Um, it's something that I, I try my hardest not to take for granted. Um, I mean, when I was in high school, I obviously went through like the angsty phase where, they were out to get me and all we did was argue and in reality they just wanted me to graduate and other than that like they don't care like that was always their thing no matter what I did like no matter like what I was listening to or if I was like trying to pierce up my face they they didn't care as long as I got good grades like my dad's thing was like you can look like a punk but you can't act like a punk uh and they were really good about giving me like that freedom to like be who I want to be. But at the same time, they kept me in line. Um, because like I didn't, I was an idiot and I didn't care about high school and I wouldn't have graduated if it wasn't for the way that they handled it. But then as soon as I graduated, we just got closer and now they're like both like friends. Like I call them every day. Um, it's great. Like I, I love my, I've always had a great relationship with my parents and they've supported me through like everything that I've done. Um, when I dropped out of college to like pursue Noctilouse, they supported me. And now that I'm making like a little bit of money, they're definitely happier about it. Right. But, um, yeah, well, cause that's, that's always the marker of like, you know, provable success to, you know, parents is like, Hey, like I, I promise the thing that I'm not, that I'm pursuing is not going to leave me like completely destitute. Like, you know, I'm not going to be like homeless in the streets, but still on tour. Uh, you know, even though that may be a fine line, but still like there is that, uh, that notion that your parents will be like, okay, like I understand like the fact that he can come home with rent, like, okay, he's, he's not, uh, he's not too, too bad off. Yeah, 100%. And and now to um it's grown on them and they're actual fans. Um it started with Knocked Loose, which was like an obvious bias. Um but they like found songs throughout our record that they liked because they would listen to it to like they like pre-ordered it to support me and when they listened to it they were like this is good. And now it's to the point where my mom is looking up bands on her own. And texting me like we were on tour with every time I die and she was texting me like hey I like these songs by every time I die and like gave me a list and I was just like whoa that's crazy because I've definitely been like trying to make you listen to them since I was in middle school and you just tell me to turn it off but um yeah I'm converting them as well <laughs> that's awesome that's really cool um, and so did you, uh, is Knock Loose ostensibly your first band or did you have other, uh, projects that you tried to do before this? I had like several bands that like never did anything. Yeah. Um, just got to like the playing local, st- local show phase and just kind of like phased out and the band that I was in before Noctilus was the one that um, I took like the most serious and I like really really pushed for it and um, when that band broke up I was like yeah I'm done like I still I'm still gonna love the music and if I get the opportunity to write the music then I will but I'm not going to like put all my eggs in one basket and like I went to college and 
when we started Knocked Loose, I was like, I don't want to tour. I just want to write music. Right. And then, like, maybe if it doesn't interfere with my schedule, we'll play some shows. And they were just like, yeah, that's cool. Like, we're just, we just want to jam. And I was like, yeah, I want to go to college. And and then things started, like, popping off. And I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Right. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm convinced. What, uh, yeah. Sorry, two, two trains of thought here. But uh, what were you studying in school? Um, I was I was just going to like a community college to get my basics out of the way. Sure. And then I had planned on going for, um, like education. Oh, okay. To be like a teacher. Oh, nice. I still like think that that would be really cool. Um, like I've uh, I've been talking to my girlfriend recently about maybe doing like online classes. Yeah, dude, do so it. that. Like just yeah, like just in case worst case scenario knock loose goes belly up i don't have to start from scratch when it comes to school um yeah no that's a that's a really good train of thought because there's i mean i mean i know you've met people like this where their only interest lies in uh you know the music they create and the band that they're in which is you know clearly fine like that's something everybody should be passionate about when they're doing it um but when you feel like they have no other interest or like plan or passion outside of that it's always like really like like you legitimately only think about this <laughs> and that those are the people, yeah. those are the people that you do get concerned about where you're like yo dude like you're not going to be 55 playing you know playing in a hardcore band or whatever yeah you, you you need to have something else going on whether it's you know it, it could be anything but it's like yeah those are the people you're concerned about but that's cool that you have that passion of of you could see education being a uh, interesting thing to pursue yeah i've always been interested in it um well i wouldn't say always i would say like right after i graduated and like looking back like at all the teachers that i was gonna miss and i was just like man that teacher is tight like right and then i was like man that'd be that'd be cool to like play that role in somebody's life like i feel like high school is such like a detrimental time period of your life that like you always look back at high school and you can like point out like yeah that teacher was sick absolutely because like in high school you're going through like all of your dramatic changes and like everything seems so much like so serious but like you look back and it's not but like um granted i didn't have like a full college experience but uh i think that if i did i would still kind of look from the college that i went to or like i didn't even remember my teachers names but i can think about like high school and i can remember all my favorite teachers Right. Well, because there's definitely so many high school teachers end up playing, you know, more than one role in a lot of kids' lives. You know, when you do find that teacher that you gel with, um, you know, on on whatever subject they're teaching, and then you find yourself coming to them about personal life questions like, you know, after class or something. And, you know, they play a teacher, they play a psychologist, they play a supporter. It's like, yeah, those are the people who impact your life. And you're going to be, you know, on your deathbed and being like, Oh man, you know, Mrs. Stewart was sick. Like she was, she was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, the whole time that you were saying that I was just like thinking about one teacher. Right. <laughs> so like you're, you're absolutely right because <laughs> I've definitely been there. Yeah. No, that's, that's spectacular. <laughs> hey, let's put a pin in this conversation for a moment because I have to tell you about an amazing new record from a band called Conveyor. The record is called No Future. And Victory Records is putting it out. 
Basically, if you soak up melodic hardcore, not unlike Knock Loose, Stick to Your Guns, Hundredth, all that sort of stuff, these dudes deliver the goods. I, I got keyed into them via their last record. It was just one of those things a person recommended to me, and I listened to it. I was like, oh, this is cool. But then listening to this record, step up. They just know what they're doing. I'm playing a little bit in the background, and uh, I'll play you, you know, like a good 15, 20 seconds of the song to kind of get you, get your appetite wet. But what you need to do is you need to go over to victorymerch.com slash store slash conveyor. I'll toss that in the show notes so that way you're not uh, confused on where to go. But pre to the record. They have a bunch of awesome options, vinyl, shirts, all that fun stuff. But this particular song is called Whetstone, and I'll play a little bit of it, and then we'll dive back into the conversation with Brian. But this is a really good record. Like I said, if you like this melodic hardcore stuff, you will love this LP. So check it out. Band's name is Conveyor. Record's called No Future. Here it is. You'll take what's left. What's left of a heart and die? I am a no bad world. I got away what's left of you. I am a no bad world. I got away. Um. And I find it that another thread I wanted to pull on was I find it interesting how you were saying, you know, because the uh, pressure uh, had been lifted from you in regards to, you know, the, the previous band. What was the name of the, of the band that you were, you know, really, I guess, like you said, taking seriously and, you know, trying to, you know, m- push it forward? Um, we were called Remember Me Always. Okay. Very corny name. Yes. Um, very yes. just like... Um, uh, Parkway Drive ripoff. Okay, got it, got it. Well, I, I, like I could have super riffy, right? And and I tried to do like lows, and like I sounded like completely different. Um, but like we never really did anything. Like I, you can't even find it um, online. Um, yeah, because it's just like <clears throat> we just played like a couple, a handful of local shows, and like the only people that cared about us like went to our high school. Right, right. And it, it, the reason I bring that up is because I, I, I find it interesting when, you know, you you really do put a lot of, you know, effort and time and planning and every decision you're making in regards to whether it's like the naming of the band or writing the songs, like, you know, you're putting a lot into it. And then once that, that kind of gets, you know, peeled away, and then you just start writing music because like it's fun and it's with your friends or whatever. And then that thing ends up becoming, you know, the most successful thing you've done to date musically. <laughs> that's when you're like, wait, why does that happen? Like, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. That, I didn't even think about it that way until you said it. And it's funny because both, um, both bands that I've taken serious, uh, remember me always and Knox loose, uh, nobody in the band named them. Uh, I don't think I've actually said that in a Knock Loose interview, but uh, we didn't actually name Knock Loose our friend it. Okay. <laughs> because that's, that's, uh, a, that's amazing. Please. How, how did, so, like, you, your friend was at practice, or how did it go? <laughs> well, the other band, my old band, we were just like, what should we name it? And then our friend was like, hey, I saw this written on a desk in science. Like, name it, remember me always. 
And I remember specifically telling him, like, well, I don't like it, but we'll do that until we think of something cooler. Right. And then <laughs> we, like, never changed it. But with Knock Loose, um, we actually were named Manipulator. And looking back on it now, like, I'm glad that we changed it. But we announced our first show ever as Manipulator. And it was, like, an, not even, like, an hour. And, like, some other local band from Ohio messaged us and they were like we're called manipulator and like if you don't change your name we're gonna sue and we were just like okay like it's really not all that but um so we were like we gotta change our name and, and it put like pressure on us because we our show was already announced so like we gotta do it and we gotta do it soon because we're about to play our first show and and my friend scott um who books a lot in Louisville and he's become like one of my best friends. But <clears throat> I remember he was just like sending me a list of names and most of them I was like, Scott, you're not slick. I know that these are just album names. Like oh. you're just like on your iPod looking at albums. And then he sent knocks loose. And I was just like, I kind of like that. Yeah. And like the band kind of liked it. So then we were just like, yeah, let's do that. So, right. Let's try that out. <laughs> well, there's definitely, yeah, you, you can't name your band after another band's album title, but it's 100% acceptable to name your band after another band's song title. That is like tried and true. Like when you don't know the name of your band, just, start, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you can, you can point, I mean, unless it's like, a completely obvious like the most popular song from a band like you know no one to this day could name their band like nerdy without being like okay guys like calm down like we know you yeah. like poison the well but seriously <laughs> exactly it's funny though because like i'm like i'm the guy in the band that's like obsessed with all things hardcore like i love to like do research like i love to hear stories when i meet somebody that's like been involved uh, in hardcore for like really long um, I'll just like pick their brain like we got the opportunity to tour with Stick to Your Guns and their guitar player plays in Walls of Jericho and their other guitar player sang for Casey Jones and he played guitar for Evergreen Terrace Yep. so I was just like tell me stories like Chris from uh, Stick to Your Guns and Walls of Jericho like has toured with Earth Crisis so I'm like you know, like, I just want to hear stories. Like, right. I'm that guy. Like, I love the the history of it. So, like, the more that I, like, do this research, like, I'll come across a band, and I'll be listening to their record, and I'm like, damn, these are all band names. Like, <laughs> I'll, like, find them all the time. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. And it's so funny, too, because when you find them, it, it's like, you know, it's like this little treasure. And the only people that care about it is, like, you know, the nerdiest of the nerdiest people. <laughs> and I put, I, I completely, yeah. I completely identify with you cause I'm very much that same person. So it's like, you know, you're talking about people who are just like, well, actually this is this thing. And you're like, Oh gosh, you're, you're such a nerd. And you're like, yep, absolutely. I found this. Yeah. I found this band name and I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, I'm like the nerd. And especially if it has anything to do with like Louisville, like I, I love it because like Louisville, especially like there's not a lot of bands from Kentucky, especially Louisville that you can, that you can like think of right off the top of your head. Right. So like when I'm on the road and like, I like buy a lot of records on the road because like I refuse to buy records online. 
unless it's like an album pre-order of like one of my friends or something but like I don't like to buy records online because I like the hunt I like like flipping through the records and then like you stumble across something that you like and you're like holy crap I can't believe they have this so like I, I only buy records on tour or in my local like record store and I'll be like I was like in Montreal in Canada and like I came across uh, by the grace of God record, mm -hmm. which is the hardcore band from Louisville, Absolutely. and I was just like, "Whoa! Like I can't believe this is in Canada!" Like, right? How'd this get up here? This is my home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's that's incredible. It's funny that you mentioned that because this this was actually going to be one of my last little uh, you know aside questions at the very end. But like I noticed uh, on your Instagram, you were stoked because you got yeah, a copy of uh, Guilt Bardstown Ugly Box, which is like the fact you were stoked on that made me feel uh, like I like you that much better because like no one no one fucking talks about that band. And it, it, like and that was like that was an entry point for me. Like on the very first Victory Style compilation, you know, like I, I didn't know the difference between like guilt and strife like i just you know these were band names and so like musically yeah. I identified with guilt like i loved guilt i was like guilt and dead guy so sick like earth crisis strife and Snapcase, like cool too but like guilt and dead guy and so like anytime anybody mentions that and the fact that you posted that and i don't know it just made it made me really really happy <laughs> yeah that's a that's another little band absolutely um, the, the singer of that band played guitar and by the grace of god yes he did um and he was also an endpoint. Oh yeah, there's the yeah the I, the, and, the the connections just go on and on from there. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, like if you're in if you play in a band in Louisville, chances are you play in almost every band in Louisville. Sure, that's a because like one. we just we share members. Like it's small enough to where you're just like, hey, you're the only guitar player I know, so play in this band. So, but yeah, I found that guilt record. It's funny that you said that, and I don't mean, I, I hope that this doesn't insult you because you did just tell me that you were like a music nerd. Um, but when I just gave the story about finding By the Grace of God in Montreal, that was actually that guilt record, but I was like, nobody knows who guilt is, so I'll just tell him it was By the Grace of God. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I think I think we've definitely become uh, very good friends within talking to each other half an hour. That's so cool. <laughs> I love, yeah. yeah, I love that because yeah, it's very uh, yeah. There's certain things where it's like you just you find and you become so passionate about, and then you know you feel like you're you know one of only like 40 people that likes it. So I totally understand where you're like, oh, dude, I can't go that obscure. Like no one knows that band. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so then, you know, I, I, mean, I think that I agree with, go ahead. I think that I agree with you as well, as far as like, um, connecting with bands like that, because like you mentioned like dead guy, like I feel like that whole era of like what can now be considered like metalcore, but like back in the day, everything was just hardcore, but like that whole era of metalcore that was like really weird. Like I've always connected with it, like botch and cave in and like, the darker stuff like Bloodlet and like stuff like that, like I've always connected with that more as well. Like my music taste when it comes to like heavy music is like on like opposite sides of the spectrum because you have I'll either like love fans like Youth of Today that's like completely youth crew or I'll love like Botch, which is like the f the far side the other way when it comes to like heavy music and so I agree with you. Like when it comes to like all those bands, Strive, Snapcase, like they're all sick, but I connect with like the weird stuff. 
Yeah, totally. Well, because yeah, I mean, and two, you feel like it's it's your own in a way because, like, you know, I mean, those those bands that are popular and are timeless within hardcore are for a reason, you know, because they're so goddamn good. Like, it's und- you know, it's undisputable. Like, yeah, there are people who could be like, yeah, I don't like Youth of Today, and that's fine. But you know, it's like find me you know 40 people that go gorilla biscuit starts a day not that good of a record it's like come on you're like you're just doing yeah. that to, you're just doing that to be a contrarian but there are yeah. there are many people in which you could play you know the i was just listening like this was like maybe two weeks ago i was just uh, revisiting the uh the guilt ep that came out you know after it was like that six song ep the untitled one and i was like god this is so good. oh yeah this is so good but there's no way that i could play this for anybody and be like, hey, this is really good. You'll like it. Most people would just be like, what is this? It's yeah. Like, yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> it's so weird. I had known Guilt from uh, Bardstown Ugly Box. It was like the first thing I listened to. And I actually like went back and I listened to their first 7-inch Empty. And I think arguably that's probably my favorite release by them. But I remember after I got Bardstown Ugly Box, like the physical copy, I was like, I'm going to listen to them. And I listened to that Untitled EP for the first time, and it was like I was driving along and I was blaring it. And that intro is like three minutes long. Yeah. It's just like this weird drum buildup. Yep. But I thought that it was so sick. And that was one of those perfect moments where I was like, I can't explain this to anybody because they're going to be like, this is so annoying. Like, will it please just kick in? <laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally, totally. Um, well, kind of, kind of bringing it back to a few. Uh, I, I really like that we went on that tangent. That made me really happy. But <laughs> there are a few other uh, things about Knock Loose I wanted to talk about. Where um, you know, once, like you mentioned, the intention of the band was never like, oh yeah, here we are. We're going to tour. We're going to do all these things. Like that came about, you know, because people started to pay attention to you, and you started to have you know a little bit of heat on you guys. As you've grown in popularity and, you know, are arguably on some of, you know, the largest national tours and a lot of people are paying attention to you guys. um, How did that, I guess, sit in your head? Like, was there a lot of things that you had to get kind of used to? Because, you know, I mean, people care always about the singer of the band. They're always like, oh, what's the singer up to? And like, you know, I'll, I'll follow him on Instagram or whatever. And, you know, you've never had that sort of attention before. So how have you, I guess, navigated that? And what challenges have you seen within that? Um, I think that like um, well like a couple different things like one I don't even I don't think that we ever took the time to um, really like realize how well things were going because we as soon as we started we just haven't stopped like we've been on tour pretty consistently um, and we just like we like that work method like let's just go in and let's never stop going in. And, um, but on the other hand, like, uh, there's definitely been times and like, uh, I've done interviews and like, they've been like too personal and, um, you haven't. Uh, so don't worry about it. But, uh, that was definitely weird for me to think about because I feel like when there's like, when you are a person, you start to get, this attention on you like there are no secrets anymore and there are some things that I I like would rather keep in my personal life and I'm so afraid of like offending people um especially when I'm representing my band I don't want that person to tell their friends like oh I got the chance to talk with Brian and he was like really rude so like 
there would be times when like I would just answer these questions anyways. And then it it did get to a point where it was like, is there any way that like I could hear these questions first kind of thing? Um, because like some people were just like, like I'm not gonna name names or throw anybody under the bus, but like I did an interview once and a guy asked me how old I was. And I was like, I'm 23. And he was like, dang, you're pretty young to talk about dying all the time. And I was like, that's, <laughs> like in my head, I was like, that's really awkward. Like, yeah. Like, that's not something that I want to talk about. So, like, it's definitely weird, um, especially because in my lyrics, I do take, uh, I take that opportunity, uh, as a writer to be as honest as I can be because that is my outlet and that is my opportunity to say things that I don't want to say in conversation. And, um, I don't want to say, like, I did that to myself because that, like, phrase has so many, like, negative connotations. I definitely am not. I don't regret anything that I've ever said on record, but it was hard to get used to. Like, okay, now these people know how I feel about all these different topics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because, too, I mean, certain things, especially when you're talking about, you know, a band's first or, you know, or sometimes second record, you're writing them in a vacuum, you know? You're writing them with the expectations that very few people are going to listen to these things. And then when you have to reckon with it, with you know people actually hearing it and people actually connecting with it it's a it, you know it's it, it's kind of whiplash you know when people start yelling the words right back into your face it's kind of like oh wow like you know either you know i have yeah. to be, i have to be more responsible or i have to think about it differently um you know and not saying that you are going to pull punches on your next record or anything like that but there does become a level of responsibility where you're just like okay like you know i'm Granted, I'm in a much different place than I was, you know, whatever, two or three years ago when I first wrote these lyrics. But um, th- there does there does need to be a different consideration once you have a platform, as opposed to when you've been thrust in it and you're just like, oh, uh, well, yeah, I guess I I will explain <laughs> the, the mindset of myself yeah. writing these lyrics when I first exactly. did it. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I totally I empathize. No, trust me. Like when I know exactly what you mean because like when we first started touring and we were just touring off of our EP pop culture, um, the more that we would tour off of that and the more that we would see like, holy crap, like these kids are singing along and they're going nuts. It was like, it was so funny because we never, we wrote that EP thinking that only our friends in Louisville were going to hear it. So like, like I said, I don't regret anything I've ever done on a record, but if I got the opportunity to do that record now, I would do it so different because we like, there's so many like parts in that record where we literally just goofed off. Cause we were like, nobody's going to hear it. Like our, one of our like arguably most popular songs that we play live is a song called all my friends. And in that song on the recorded version, there's like a part where everything stops for literally eight counts. And it's just all of our friends in the studio yelling. And like live, it gives me the opportunity to either like, I'll like say like some like intimidating mosh call or like whatever. But on recording, like it literally just stops for eight counts. And like, <laughs> if I was writing a record now, like I would never do that. But like, we were just like, nobody's going to hear this. Like, who cares? Like, let's just goof off and yell for like 10 seconds and then have it kick back in. Right, you said you. So it's like funny that you said that. 
Yeah. Because it's not now like all these people like listen to it and it's like, dang. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, yeah. In in hindsight, uh, we may have handled that a little bit differently if we again because you were writing in a vacuum, you were just, you know, satisfying yourself, which, you know, granted, yes, some people would argue, it's like, oh, that's the most truest representation of yourself when you're right, you know, you're creating art with no idea that anybody is paying attention. And yeah, that's, that is true to a certain extent, but at the same time, when you are writing for yourself and then understand the responsibility of your words, I think that's the best place to be in, you know, as an artist, when you're actually creating something, when you're yeah. like, oh, like this, this can have impact, this can be meaningful, this can get someone through a hard time, or whatever it is you're trying to express. So, yeah, I, I, I understand where yeah. you're coming from. I agree with you. And I, with all that being said, like my lyric, my lyrical content, like, is not going to change. Like, even knowing that, like, every now and then I might have to deal with like the one awkward question that's like, Hey, why are you like this? But like, even knowing that, like, this is just like, it's all that I know. Like I'm going to continue to be honest because my favorite music is the music where even if I can't relate to it, I know that they feel what they're doing. Um, and like, I, I can't like, I can't be a storyteller. I can't like, I can't tell everybody that everything's going to be okay. I know that that sounds like really cynical, but like, I don't know everybody's situation. So I'm just going to speak from my situation. And, um, it's something that I pride myself on. Yeah. Because like I can firmly stand behind every stand I've ever made. Um, and I will, I'm going to continue to do that, but it was definitely hard to like weird to get used to. Mm-hmm. when people started listening yeah sure um the two last things i want to hit on before i let you go was the um and kind of on that same tip where you know as we've kind of alluded in previous points in the conversation how it's i'm sure you can understand that it's easy for people to <clears throat> criticize you and look at you because it's like oh yeah it's like here's this you know overnight success band that kind of popped up in the midwest and all of a sudden they're on cool tours and whatever you know all of the on the online criticism that exists for many bands that start to rise to any sort of level of prominence um was that was that something that was difficult for you to start to like reckon with when people you were just like why are people talking shit on us or why are people saying like we're not too hardcore whatever you know those those arguments are yeah or or was that something that you know you just kind of had to try to um you know maybe learn how to navigate and be like well i can address these things but not these things or you know how did that all swirl around in your head well um I choose to just not address any of it, but I definitely see it. Um, I wouldn't say that it was like really hard because like we expected it. Like we knew going into it, not everybody's going to like your band. Like there's no band in the world that every single person in the world likes. Um, so like we knew that it was going to come. So when we started to see it, it was just like, okay, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think that the only thing that like personally bums me out is when I see bands that I like like members of bands that I like say like stuff about us on the internet. Um, because then I'm just like, man, that sucks. Like I really like your band and like you, you're being like really rude. Like I don't, I don't like, I'm not trying to, uh, sound petty or anything, but like I don't share negative 
opinions on the internet because they can be damaging. Uh, I'll share good opinions. I'll be like, hey, check this band out. They're super sick. But, I mean, there's a ton of bands that I don't like. Uh, that doesn't mean I have to speak on it. So when I see, the only time I get upset is when I see, like, bands that I've seen live, and I'm like, man, this band's great. And I'll buy their record, and I'll buy merch, and I'll talk to their singer and be like, you were great, and I'll shake his hand. And then, like, a couple weeks later, I see that same guy, like, on Twitter talking about how, like, we're not a hardcore band. And it's like, man, come on, like, I put a lot into hardcore, uh, whether you think Knock Loose is a hardcore band or not. Um, and, like, the the second that Knock Loose stopped caring about what people labeled us as genre-wise was, like, a, also a weight off my shoulders. Because, like, we'll still see the argument every now and then, but now it's just, like, I literally don't care. Like, when we started the band, we were like, yeah, we're a hardcore band. And then as soon as we started touring and we started to see, like, the reaction that that was getting, it was like, okay, whatever, I don't care. Like, you can call us whatever you want. That's not going to change our sound because, of, like, if all of you agree that we're metalcore, we're not going to stray further to that side. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the the name of the genre, like, has literally nothing to do with what we decide to play. It's it's always just going to be, like, really stupid heavy. Right. Yeah. And that's the only goal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's it's interesting because, like, uh, you know, just using my own selfish perspective on the music that you guys create, it's like, yeah, there's influences from, you know, more modern-ish bands. Like, when I, when I say modern, like, I don't even mean, like, the past couple of years, but it's like, you know, there's, like, Acacia Stray and, like, Despised Icon, but definitely less, you know, of the deathcore thing that they had going on. But then I also hear elements of bands that, um, you know, you guys probably weren't intentionally doing, but just because of your maybe your own personal um, affinity for a lot of the, you know, mid nineties metalcore stuff. It's like, you know, there's, there's like elements of like torn apart and turmoil and that sort of stuff. And so to me, to me, I look at it where I I actually put you guys uh, in a category uh, that I've made up in my own head of like, I I compare you to a band like (laughs) title fight where it's like, so title fight was able to do something that I believe was really important and crucial where it's like, these are, you know, younger kids in their mid twenties, like once they started to, you know, rise to prominence who were creating music that was of the moment, but then also really hearkened back to, you know, bands like quicksand and everything else like that. So it's like, they had this post hardcore yeah. thing mixed with like pop punk. Whereas I look what you guys are doing where it's like, yeah, you're combining the old and new influences and then making it something that is, uh, you know, uniquely your own. So I would, uh, you know, not, not try to blow smoke up your ass, but I think that's kind of, the space you fit in where it's like, and that's maybe why it's harder for old people to, you know, when I say old people, it's like anybody over the age of like 27 is old and hardcore, but like, <laughs> like yeah. to, to listen to you guys and just be like, Oh, whatever. This is like stupid beat down stuff. But it's like, if you actually listen to it, there is, uh, there's more nuance there than just like, you know, people who are looking to, you know, pit hard or whatever. Yeah. And, and like, I agree with you. Um, and I, I definitely agree with you with like the title fight thing. I think that that's really important. Like, um, it's really rare to find a band that can pull off playing, uh, like every side of our world, like the heavy music world. Like they are like, a an emo band or like however you want to classify them. But like they play this as hardcore and people go freaking nuts. You know what I mean? And I, I love that because Noctilus has always wanted to be the kind of band that like, 
uh, we're not afraid to play any show. Uh, we've done like the hardcore tours with youth group bands and we've done the metalcore tours with stick your guns in case you strain, like whatever, like, and we've had fun on both because we love both. We're not afraid to play any show. We, we just played a rap show on Friday in New York city. Yeah. With Danny Brown. I saw that. That's amazing. And I want, I want that because like, I love all kinds of music, but not only that, but like, I want those kids to come back out. Like next time we play in New York city, like hopefully there's like some hip hop fans there. You know what I mean? Like I saw you guys at Danny Brown. I thought it was sick. So like, uh, yeah. Just like I feel like you don't I feel like starting your band to just play hardcore shows is uh, is is like damaging. Like it, it's fun for like a demo, but like a hardcore band's life expectancy is so short because like it's just it's such a small like subculture that like yeah, it's not, you know what I mean? it's not sustainable. And plus, I like the notion of the idea of playing in front of people who may have never been exposed to aggressive music or hardcore or punk or whatever you want to call it in general. So it's like, you know, some kid's life could be, you know, irrevocably changed because they attended that show, you know, with Danny Brown. All of a sudden, they're listening to, you know, Knock Loose and then they start to, you know, whatever, they get into Slipknot, whatever. It doesn't matter how they are influenced but all of a sudden they could be just like a total hip-hop head and then turn into you know someone who is more well-rounded musically because they have been experienced they, they saw you guys you know like there's nothing that's better than being a gateway band to a musical genre yeah and 100 percent. and i don't want to like label us as that because i feel like that's very like uh no that was that was me saying yeah, that was me saying it not you but if we yeah, but if we get the opportunity to play that role, like, I am grateful 100%. Like, we are very, like, uh, fortunate to play to a lot of, like, really young kids. And, like, I remember being that young. And in a lot of ways, like, I'm still that young. Uh, as far as, like, those kids are, like, super impressionable. And I'll have kids come up to me all the time. And I'm sure the other members of my band are the same way. And they'll, like, ask us, like, what shirt are you wearing? Right. And like where I'm from, it's not like the kind of thing where like, oh, you don't know this band, like you must be new. But no, like where I'm from, it's like, oh, you like this band, you should check out all of these other bands. So like, kids will come up to me and ask me about my shirt, and I will just punish them. I'll just be like, oh, you like it? Like, you should check this band out. They sound like this, and if you like them, you should check out these six other bands too. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's really really cool that you do that because yeah, you, you're like, how much time do you have? You got half an hour. I'm gonna go through the lineage of why this band is important and why I'm wearing this shirt at this very moment. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, especially because I'm the one in the band that will wear shirts that like sound nothing like Knockloose. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, if you like us, I don't know if you'll like this, but you should still check it out. Yeah. Well, dude, that's awesome. I love I love when people are conscious about the the shirts that they wear because i think it you know for whatever reason i think people um you know that playing bands might think that that's like some you know we like oh you're putting way too much thought about what you're wearing on stage or whatever and it's like dude it's a, it's a walking billboard it's rad and if you're able to educate somebody on you know a band and just because they see you wearing the t-shirt it's like that's great why is that a negative thing that you're paying attention to that yeah i'm a, i'm like obsessed with fashion 
so I'm like constantly like too worried about what I'm wearing. <laughs> so many times somebody asks me about what I'm wearing, I'm like, I'm so glad you noticed. Yes, thank you. Thank you for asking. This is the question I was actually looking forward to answering. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, well, I, one last thing I want to hit on before I let you go was the um, basically every uh, piece, whether it's like an interview or something that's been written about you guys, even if, like from reviews of your records and stuff, people are always like, "Oh man, like this is such a violent pit." Like you know, knocked loose really tries to bring out the pit violence and whatever. I mean, I'm just using you know a a very uh, uh, cliched thing that I've seen about people writing. Uh, to me, the, I mean, granted, you know, I'll, I'll put the caveat that I've actually never seen you guys play live, so that's my fault, but the the notion that you are, you know, bringing a new level of violence to shows, to me, just doesn't even make sense in my head. It, may, it, it leads me to believe that the person writing that, like, hasn't ever witnessed, like, uh, a, you know, live show or something like that, but um, have you noticed yeah. that? Like, have you noticed that, that sort of... Uh, it's it's not necessarily negative but people are just kind of like really hyping that up, that idea up of like oh knock loose man super violent and I, I you know if from the videos that i've seen online it's just like oh yeah it's a hardcore show like i don't know does where does it sit in your head yeah i think that i think that they're mainly just focusing on like the sound like it's a violent sound uh without ever actually seeing us live um there's definitely been knock loose shows where i'm like even while I'm playing, I'm like, holy crap, they're beating the hell out of each other. And, like, I love a hard pit. But I'm another question, well, like, a question that I've gotten before, but I feel like I don't get to touch base enough on it because of the kind of music Noctilus plays. Like, I don't like people beating the shit out of people that don't want to get beat up. You know what I mean? Like, I firmly believe that there should be a place that you can stand where you're not going to get hit. With that being said, sometimes you play shows where everybody's down to get hit, and it's, like, crazy violent. But it's, like, not as consistent as people would think when it comes to knock loose. We've always been more of, like, when it comes to, like, our live shows, the sing-alongs have always been more crazy than the pit would be. And I think that it's it's definitely, like, changed in that aspect with, like, the tours that we've done because, like, the bigger tours that we do... And, like, I'm not trying to, like, diss people that come to our shows at all. But the bigger tours that we do, the softer the pit gets. You know what I mean? Because, like, when we would play shows that, like, like before Pure Noise, when we were touring with just our friends' bands, and we would, like, play a house show, and it was just, like, crazy. Like, people just, like, beating the absolute hell out of you. Like, pits that I would never get in personally. And then now it gets to a point where, like, you'll play, like, a giant venue with, like, 600 people. And, like, it's not as crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy in, like, a different sense. Or, like, I would prefer to watch a ton of kids pitting at once than just a couple dudes beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? totally. Well, and plus the usually one, you know, once the larger shows happen, it's usually the scale of the event that is impressive. You know, it's like, you know, watching, uh, watching a band like a uh, ceremony play, um, 
you know, is, is awesome. Like when they're playing in front of two or 300 people and they, you know, they have a violent pit or whatever, you know, much less to their newer stuff for obvious reasons. But the, uh, but the enormity of like, you know, watching ceremony at sound and fury in, you know, 2007 or whatever, isn't so much that like, Oh, the pit's super violent. It's like, Holy shit. There's like a thousand people singing along, you know, that, that is what's like, you know, goosebump inducing as opposed to like you said, you know, just, the you know the bigger shows where it's like oh cool there's like 10 huge dudes that are just like trying to beat the crap out of each other yeah and like i love the sing-alongs like um i think that like the more that we play the more that like i I say this all the time when it comes to like reviewing shows that we play like after the set i'll be like was that a six set because of this or this or this and um usually knocked loose the way that it goes it's like oh that show was sick because people were singing along like crazy or it's that show was sick because people were pitting like crazy but every now and then we get lucky enough to do both and it's like people were pitting <clears throat> were pitting super hard but for like the parts that like needed to sing along they were all there and like that's like my favorite kind of show to play but the more that we play i think the more that i prefer the the sing-alongs because like when you play like i said before like uh to 600 kids there's no way in hell that all 600 of them are going to pit but there might be a chance that all 600 of them are going to say all my friends are dead when we hit that part and like that's the coolest thing ever like uh that's why i said that's like arguably our biggest song that we play live because like hearing everybody do that part like it never doesn't blow me away you know what i mean absolutely well and plus i mean plus it gets everybody involved which is like even more um yeah inclusive you're just like this is great like you know no matter what size a person is or or gender or anything like that it's the great equalizer where everybody can participate you know it doesn't matter if you have a good singing voice or a good yelling voice people are all singing along and it's uh yeah so the warm fuzzies that that bring that out in hardcore yeah (laughs) we've literally played shows where that part has made me cry that's incredible because like uh like the the first time we ever played like a big show it was a mixtape fest a couple years ago and we owe a lot of like where we are right now to mixtape fest because that's how like pure noise heard about us and like so on and so forth but like i remember that there was like over a thousand people there and it was the first time we'd ever played to that many people, and we were all, like, so nervous. And I remember before we started playing, I looked at our drummer, and I was like, if they all do the All My Friends Are Dead part, I'm going to cry. And he was like, dude, me too. But then, sure enough, they did, and I, like, had to, like, turn around. I was, like, tearing up. I was like, I'm about to look really not tough. Right. <laughs> totally. You're like, I, please excuse me. I'm being emotionally overwhelmed right now. Hold, hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude that's amazing well honestly this is this was all that i had but thank you so much for hanging out this has been uh this has been fun and i definitely uh i I, like i said i felt a kinship with you prior to us speaking but now i feel uh yeah i I feel like uh, when we meet in real life it'll be uh it'll be brotastic even though that's not a word but anyways (laughs) you you get what i'm saying yeah 100 percent. i really enjoyed talking to you and i hope that the next time we're in the area you do get the chance to come out yeah we can hang out there that is there it is there is the episode <laughs> i always try to figure out a way to uh segue out of the interview but i always end up saying the same thing and um yeah i try to break that because basically what i've noticed almost every single podcast that is an interview format 
has, without much further ado, here is the guest. And I know that I've said that a million times in the past. And so I'm trying not to be like every other person and saying the same stuff over and over. So anyways, because I know that some of you pick on me because I tend to use certain words a lot, like obviously. Um, But anyways, that's just, I want to let you know that I try to not be annoying. That's a that's a big effort of mine to make sure that you're listening to the show and you're not like, God, this, this Ray guy, total tool. Don't want to listen to him anymore. But uh, anyways, thank you very much, Brian. Thank you very much to Biggie's manager for setting this up and uh, my condolences because he recently uh, had his father pass away. And um, yeah, that's always a heartbreaking thing. So uh, keep your chin up, dude, and uh, know that my thoughts are there. And uh, for all the people that are listening to the show, they are uh, probably as well, even though they may not know you. But um, the guest next week is a great chat that I had with an old friend of mine, Keith Barney. He played the band 18 Visions. He also played in Death by Stereo. He also played in, eight, in uh, we'll say 18 Visions again. No, he played in Adamantium, which is where my first introduction to him was. Um, and uh, yeah, he was great because uh, he just invited me over to his house. We hung out in his backyard and really just uh, chopped it up. So um, yeah, that's next week. And um, we're just so close to our five year anniversary. And I've, uh, you know, I, I was really wrestling around in my head to like make this a big deal and be like, Oh, let's get this like crazy guest or whatever. And, um, I, I'm not going to make that big, big a deal out of it. It's going to be a very, very good episode because I have a person who, um, you know, I respect his work and we got him on the show, but, um, yeah, I just, I'm just going to keep on keeping on, you know, how about that? Right. We don't need to, you know, maybe just give myself a little pat on the back, but, uh, other than that, it'll be business as usual here. So that's that. And um, please be safe, everybody. Until next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.